yum nub. Reach out for yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name's Jamie, and by the right of the council, by the will of the Force, I name the Jedi Knight of the Republic. And my name is Matt. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Excellent. Yours is been, very on top, on topic. Yeah, I, I was saving it um, for a special occasion, and now it's a special occasion. So, uh, we're going to be talking today about the 2003 Clone Wars. This is the uh, Season 3, which is um, the last season of it. But, uh, you know, before uh, you know, we really get into the details, we'll we just talk a little bit about like what we've done Star Wars-related for the week, though we probably, you know, we've got a lot to get to. So, probably just a quick, uh, you know, Matt, what did you do for Star... You know, what did you do Star Wars-related this week? Yeah, we we have a lot to get through, so we're just going to keep this this section really really short. I've I've had a really rough week at work, so I found time to watch this a couple times and do the notes. And on my walk, went for a walk the other day when it wasn't raining. I listened to a few chapters of that Legends book, Rogue Squadron, um, which I'm actually really getting into. It's really a fun book. As far as myself, I don't think I did a whole lot. We got. My daughter and new Mandalorian pajamas. I um, well new to her. They're somebody else's that who uh, that their kid grew out of. So they're pretty cool. It's got that. And they're kind of like underoos, except for they got long pants and it has a cape. But yeah, I haven't done a whole lot. Uh, just been waiting for like the like visions to come out, and then just you know sneaking a little like I don't know. Just like if I want to see a scene on something, you know something, I'll just sneak one during like a break or something at work. Yeah, so we're recording we're recording this on Friday, September seventeenth, and so Visions has not come out yet. It comes out, I believe, on Wednesday of next week, and today's Friday, so we've got five-ish days, five or six days before we get Visions. Um, but we are going to once those start getting released, we're going to start recording um, reviews of those and and do our regular thing because it's Star Wars cartoons, and I think we're both looking forward to that a lot. I am really looking forward to it. It is going to be well. <laughs> I try to I try to keep my expectations in check because if I don't, then I get disappointed. Well, I think we both were really big fans of Animatrix, and I'm hoping that this is sort of that that anthology series sort of set the tone for these sorts of things. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. There is a good, um, well, not good. It's okay. Um, are you familiar with the the video game Halo? Yes. There is a um, a set of kind of like cartoons uh, based around that uh, universe, and some of them are pretty good. Some of them are just kind of meh. So, but uh, like one of one of them was very like anime style, you know, like samurai. Uh, so I'm just looking, you know, very forward to that. But uh, you know, I'm not not huge. Uh, I'm not huge in anime. Like I don't know my cousin is. I've tried different animes. I just can't. I've tried. I've really, really tried. I just can't. It's not my. It's not my bag. Yeah, I think baby. we'll we'll probably talk about our experience, our relative experience with anime, um, next week when we start talking about mm-hmm. visions. We do want to keep us on task today, um, because we we I'm I'm responsible for sort of planning the shows mostly for what we're going to review and breaking them up, and I really screwed up. Because um, I was like, let's do this one like one season at a time, not realizing that season three was twice as long as <laughs> seasons one and two. Yeah, I, I yeah. I, when I, I sat down to watch it, I was just like, 
this is an hour. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad. You know, I, <laughs> I'm so, glad I gave myself time. Yeah, so we've we've typically been reviewing things that are more like twenty minutes or thirty minutes long, and so we have twice the content today. Um, I distilled it down to about six pages of notes, and so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go. But there's also a lot in this. Um, realistically, we could have spent two or three shows just on on this one. And I think I think we've said it before. We'll probably end up coming back to these in the future, depending on how much cartoon is out there. There's a lot of cartoon we haven't covered, but these might be fun. And I've actually been trying to think of a fun mechanic to make us like randomly review shows in between series. Um, so we, we might we might talk about doing that in the future. But I do want to just sort of move us on, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go for it. So the so we're doing as Jamie said earlier, we're doing season three of the 2003 Clone Wars. Its original air date was uh, March 20th through March 25th in 2005. And to remind everybody, Revenge of the Sith was released in May of the same year, May 19th. Um, so we're only a couple of months. We're really less than two months away from the release um, of. Uh, episode three and so we can we can say with pretty high confidence that photography is done the movie is getting its finishing touches i know a lot of general grievous animation like cgi was done right up to the last minute in revenge of the sith and so they're they're sort of in that process right now of polishing grievous's animation and so mm-hmm. presumably tartavoski and his team knew everything that was going to be in the movie and it's obvious. Yeah. In this in this chapter well, much more yeah. so much more so than the previous chapters. It is obvious mm-hmm. that they're they're working off of a script. They know exactly what's in episode 3. Yeah, cuz they have to they have to end up someplace. Right. And we talked about this early, I think in a couple episodes ago when we first started this about um, how much time the series covers and I said but actually the last chapter goes really far into the future and so we're gonna we're gonna get to the timeline but really quick this section represents the biggest chunk of time so far it basically covers the entire second half of the war um, without def- definitive time posts we don't exactly know when these things are happening we just know sort of the order they're happening and we can see them progressing and there's a couple montages in here to show the passage of time <laughs> yeah it makes uh, montages make time move more quickly <laughs> so you gotta have a montage <laughs> i think without getting too much into the background and everything we're gonna skip the actors today i'm sorry um we just have to get through the notes in the summary yeah so do you want to start with chapter 21, Jamie? So it starts off with uh, the um, the ARC troopers are gearing up on a transport, uh, loading their weapons. They're approaching the target. And um, the dropship, um, I don't remember seeing this. Maybe one other place, but like it's the, the, the dropship is painted kind of like a World War II uh, fighter craft, where it's got kind of like a, a mouth on the front of it. It looks, pre- uh, it looks pretty cool. It's a nice little touch. Yeah, and I'd seen I'd seen planes like P-47s painted this way, like with like the teeth on the front. The notes, yeah. the notes, um, or like in, in interviews about this show, um, Tartavoski said they were, they were trying to make it look like a Rancor. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, it, like the A-10 Warthog uh, had the same thing. Has right. like that 
um, big uh, big mouth with sharp teeth on it. So they're approaching their target, and the landscape is covered with large destroyed ships. Now the uh, the dropship is coming up on the droid army, and they it, they're dropping explosives just out the back. The battle droids fire at the ships, and the transport enters the crashed Jedi cruiser, where they detect three life signs. Now this is where um, General Grievous um, battled uh, Kiatamundi, Ayla Sakura. What's oh, what's her name? Shakti. Um, Shakti, uh, and then Shaggy, and the other I think Padawan that I don't remember. Kirkrock. Kirkrock. Yeah. So the transport moves to cover the rescue, mowing down droids while the troopers search for survivors. Uh, they arrive at the fight between um, Mundi and Grievous. Now, something that I, I noticed that, you know, it's like when the troops disembarked, like one of them pulled out a big gun. Yeah. Like, like on his chest. It's kind of like the gun from Guardians of the Galaxy that Drax had on his chest. Yeah, that's a good call. But that gun looks exactly like the cannons on the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. Like the cannons on the top? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, the same shape, everything. I saw that. I was just like, whoa. I had not, not noticed that before or I hadn't forgotten because I hadn't seen this in a long time. Good call. So the troops open fire on Grievous, and, but Grievous is like, he's really fast. And he's uh, running the blast while uh, Monday is yelling at the troops to shoot him down. Grievous kills a bunch of the troopers and the transport uh, – you know, eventually uh, opens fire on the droid on the droid general. He outruns the blast. The remaining troopers evacuate Mundy, who insists that they have to pursue him. But the troopers say if they don't leave, the survivors will die. Which is kind of a very doesn't seem like a very like Jedi sort of thing to be like. We've got to kill this guy, you know, instead of just like okay, we're safe. Let's get out of here. But um, in a couple in a couple instances in this in this season three, Mundy rides hard hard for war. Like he yeah. is definitely like like why aren't we killing more? Yeah, he's he's got the, and he's also kind of got that that uh, kind of that buggy eye sort of thing going on where it's just like, like he looks like he's on the, uh, he's on the edge of losing it. Right. On the ship, uh, Ayla Sakura and Shakti are unconscious. And they're getting uh, medical care. They're getting a a um, intravenous strip of what looks like predator blood. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure is some sort of, some sort of um, medical concoction. Uh, tr- the troopers tell Mundy that they're the only survivors. The ship uh, flies off, and the troopers set explosives, destroying the droid army. Which actually kind of shows like what they had done before is they they made themselves a path and the way out. Yeah. Grievous recovers Kirk's uh, lightsabers for his collection and walks out of the smoking rubble, mostly unscathed. I just want to point out here that Kirk's lightsaber is has sort of like two triangles that sort of direct the blade at the top of the hilt. So cut to Coruscant where uh, Yoda sees a vision of young Anakin and Qui-Gon at the tree of uh, Dagobah, where Qui-Gon is telling Anakin he has to face what's in the tree. Mundi is uh, debriefing the battle with Grievous. Um, the council discusses the lack of Jedi Knights, and Obi-Wan proposes that they promote Anakin tonight. Apo Rancisis says that's absurd. Mundy thinks that he should be promoted. Mace and Mundy argue whether Anakin is the chosen one. Even PL says that Palpatine suggested Anakin become a knight a long time ago, which is like, come on, why are you guys? Why are you letting this guy get into your politics? I mean, it, but, uh, this, this whole scene of this argument I love um, because even PL's comment about like oh, Palpatine thought this was a good idea for a long time ago just shows like how how up in their business he's become. Mm-hmm. And then the whole Mundy saying, like, why are we holding back the Chosen One? And Mace saying, we don't know he's the Chosen One. 
it's it really shows how fractured they are just internally. And Opa Rancis is just being pragmatic, but also obstructionist about the whole mm-hmm. thing. It's like, like we can't do this. And then the argument continues on, and, and you know that uh, they wouldn't have time to face the trials. But you know, Obi Wan says that you know he's effectively passed all the trials. You know, he defeated Ventress for his test of strength, and uh, he passed his trial of flesh by getting his arm cut off by Dooku, encountered multiple trials of courage throughout the war. That just leaves the trial of self, or kind of looking in the mirror, which I guess this is what be kind of be uh, Ray's, you know, trial of self, like in from episode eight. Exactly. So this is, I think, Ray's looking in the mirror from the cave on... Um, Akto is a reference to this to this line because they say I can't I can't remember if it's Oppo or or someone else that says he needs to look in the mirror um, mm-hmm. and I think I think that is I put that in the notes because I think that is a reference to I think I think episode eight references this line and Oppo says that Anakin is not disciplined uh, but Yoda reminds him that he you know that when he was uh, Yoda's Padawan that he didn't always listen to him. And Yoda says that they will trust in the Force and that Anakin will become a knight. So I, I love that line, too, about Yoda scolding Oppo, because later Yoda scolds Obi-Wan about, or Obi-Wan sort of scolds Yoda about how impatient Obi-Wan was. And it's sort of like this give and take between Jedis about about how everybody's basically the same. Everybody's impatient, everybody's impulsive, and they all have the same demons to slay. But we also know now that Oppo is super old. We knew this back back in this time too. But we we see Oppo in the High Republic books too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on the council back then, and so I'm I'm excited that I really like, like this character a lot. I'm I'm glad we're getting more of him. So uh, Anakin is on the streets of uh, Coruscant with dozens of different species. It's it's actually a pretty cool scene. A lot of like species that look familiar, but you know. Not quite, and maybe it's artistic changes. Maybe it's you know they're completely different species because I mean the galaxy, Star Wars galaxy is huge. Can I throw in and, one real quick? Sure. Um, there's a there's a Cylon in there. No. Yeah, it's in the crowd. I figured you'd like that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I told you before we started recording that I was scrubbing the crowd. Um, there's a bunch of Star Wars species in there. There's like a there's like a snipe snoodles alien. Um, there's Grimorians and, and things like that, but there's a Cylon in the crowd, um, and I'll just leave it at that. Whoa, that that is cool. Well, now we know it's the same universe as Battlestar Galactica and <laughs> ET. Yeah, that's the takeaway. Oh, and I also want to point out that like some of these uh, aliens, they're very Nelvana-esque. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Nirvana a lot today, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you picked up on the thing that I picked up on then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anakin thinks he's being followed and ducks into an alley. He then pulls a figure into the alley and pulls his lightsaber, and it's Padme. And then they immediately start making out. So, you know, nothing gets the ladies going like pulling a super deadly weapon on them. So Anakin's uh, kind of lamenting that they have to hide. And, uh, but Pad- Padme talks him down, then 3PO shows up. 3PO flashes his brand new gold plating and sort of strip tease. And even they have the music that they play is kind of like sort of that, you know, strip tease music, which is kind of, which is kind of funny. 
Yeah, this is this is a problematic moment for I don't know. It's you're playing striptease music like it's a burlesque show, and C-3PO is seductively removing his cloak, and he's like <laughs> arching his back, you know, and he's got like an almost like an hourglass silhouette. It's it's weird. And then there's the yeah. then there, Anakin has the line where he says, "Impressive, most impressive." Obviously, quoting. Darth Vader saying it to Luke and Bespin. It's it's an interesting moment. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I gotta wonder, do those wires go all the way up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does the carpet match the drapes, dude? Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, I pulled up that um, that picture that we we're talking about of all the aliens. There's four-eyed Jawas in there. Nice. But yeah, whatever you know. <laughs> Like us, let's. I think it was. There's a there's a race that can have two or four eyes. The, the yeah, Pondo Baba's race. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, Pondo Baba's race. The Walrus Man. Yeah, that's. Well, that was the name on the toy that I got. Walrus Man. Okay, so. Uh, so while this, you know he's doing this striptease, Obi Wan calls Anakin to the temple, and then he leaves. And this whole thing makes me wonder, like, did what did C three PO know? Because he can't keep his mouth shut. So did he just maybe he's just super naive and thinks they're just really great friends? Yeah, I'm not sure. It, <laughs> it's tough. He spends the night a lot, and she's always they're always wrestling in her private quarters. Those fuckers are trying to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at the temple, Obi Wan scolds Anakin for showing up late, and Anakin doesn't seem to care because he's just assume that he's going to get uh, chewed out, and they argue. You know, Anakin tells obi-wan that he's no qui-gon jinn but he he apologizes says you know he misses him too he's tried to pass on the lessons qui-gon gave him the best he can and obi-wan kind of reveals uh why anakin is there uh without actually you know saying what's actually going on i really hate i really hate this qui-gon insult that he uses because it's so it's so cringy to me because he's basically like saying like you're not as good as my dead mom you know, he's like, he's like, he's like siding, he's like siding with a deceased parent with his actual parent sort of dynamic. And it, it, it's something you say to someone that can only hurt them. Like there's no opportunity for growth. There's no opportunity for conversation. It's like, it's like telling someone you wish that they had died instead of the other person. It is incredibly toxic and rude to say that. And I'm, I'm shocked how quickly they get over this terrible insult. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely not nice. I can uh, say that, but yeah, um, yeah, they they get over it pretty easy. Maybe because like the, you know, the cap and gown are already ordered. You know, like the relatives are coming in out of town. You know that he's gonna graduate no matter what, even if you if you're all of a sudden feeling like, well, maybe he shouldn't. So uh, Anakin enters the council chamber and the council ignites their sabers. Anakin kneels in front of Yoda, and Yoda dubs him Jedi Knight of the Republic and cuts off his Padawan braid. Cut to Padme, where uh, C-3PO uh, gives her the braid, and she saves it in a box for some reason with the um, that necklace from Japor, Mom. Japor Snippet is the name of the necklace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, jewelry has names. Let's see, R2-D2 uh, shows Anakin a hologram of Padme, and uh, Padme is kind of like without any, without any kind of voice. She's just kind of like 
pointing at R2 like, hey, you like? You like? It's yours, you know? So this is how, you know, you know, um, Anakin ends up with R2-D2. And then um, he gets into his new Jedi Starfighter, the the kind that we're used to. And uh, R2 uh, goes in and he rejoins the war. All right, so chapter 22. This is um, there's a bit of a, a time jump. So General Oro Dasni is bragging about how many Jedi it will take to overwhelm him at his base on Bomus Cori 4. A B-1 battle droid says that there's Jedi approaching, and he's like, what? Like, you know, he keeps on, like, counting, like, high numbers, and it gets lower and lower and lower. And eventually he says, like, there's just two. And all of a sudden, an aerial attack begins, and Obi-Wan and Anakin cut down the droid. Now, um, Anakin is, he's got this long, flowing locks, and he's got, like, a 70s sideburn. He's looking pretty cool, and they've, they're, um, they're, like, wearing, like, the armor that or the armor and the kind of the outfits that we know them from uh, uh, the uh, the newer Clone Wars series. Yeah, the Canon Clone Wars. He's yeah. this this updated look looks great um, on Anakin. I think um, it's not just familiarity. At least I don't think so with me. I think it's it's just a really great um, costume for him. I really don't like the sideburns. <laughs> That's sure. I mean, I think I think the way his face is drawn, it looks good. I don't know. I, I, there's a couple moments in this where I think Obi Wan's face, like head, is way too angular. It looks like a box that someone like drew hair on. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I actually like the design of Anakin a lot. Yeah, the way Obi Wan talks in this show, it's like he's. Um, it just reminds me of how like people talk in like Downton Abbey, just that curt British humor that's just kind of like, uh oh, okay, I sort of funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is still. These are still pretty short. I mean, they're longer now, but they're still short, and they and their dialogue is. I just don't think the dialogue is why you're watching it. That there's so little spoken, so much shown, so little told. Right? It is this show is a show don't tell show, and so there's very little, a ton of economy of of time, and so they're they're Obi Wan's. Short and quippy because I think that's the format too. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. All right, so like, well, um, so in space, there's a Jedi starfighter um, uh, piloted by uh, is that how you say 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 C ten? Yeah, I think it's say C ten. Yeah, say C ten. He's being chased by droid Tie fighters, and is in pursuit and destroys the fighters, and it's just showing off again. Anakin's, you know, like flying abilities like on another planet uh werewolf man or volvif mon uh Ayla sakura and agent kolar are being attacked by crab droids and anakin shows up and saves the day again now these are like there's a lot of like this is the montage that we talked about before uh, another thing like anakin lands on naboo where he you know where padme sees his his scar for the first time and he's kind of like turns away this is that scar that he has like it's never actually shown how he gets it but it's like just like down his eye and kind of like a jagged harry potter like sideways harry potter yeah that's a good description of it it's 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 a facial scar you see it in other materials um it supposedly was given to him by ventress but it never happens on screen in any in any property um, so it's not in any comic that I'm aware of. It's definitely not in any of the shows. But supposedly, Ventress gives him that scar. Yeah, I thought so. But, um, you know, it's not from, uh, like, not in not in this, at least. Um, 
Right. All right. So, yeah. So she sees his scarf for the first time. Anakin is, you know, being lost to the war, and they embrace, and the light goes out in, in the window in the Dubu Palace, so we know what that means. Brown chicken, brown cow. Yeah, so this is this is interpreted by fandom as a sex scene, because you see them together, and then you see the light go out. And I was reading about this scene earlier today, and there's a lot of speculation that this is the impregnation night. <laughs> This is the night she gets pregnant. Um, and if you believe, and like I said, the time is super fuzzy, but supposedly Attack of, or Revenge of the Sith happens over a period of like three or four days uh, or something ridiculously short like that. And so it's possible, but I wouldn't hang my hat on that timeline. Mm-hmm. Unless Star Wars sex. The next scene, it's cutting to Obi-Wan uh, sleeping the bench in some sort of trench. Uh, Commander Cody shows up, uh, you know, flies in on a jetpack and says that their barrage is going well and the uh, the shields should be down in three months. And apparently they've been at it for a month and uh, they're on schedule, but you can tell that uh, Obi-Wan is pretty miserable. So, you know, the siege is really bothering him. And Anakin just shows up with a bag of bugs and just eats them in front of Obi-Wan. And uh, he's like, Obi-Wan's like, where'd you get this? They say, oh, at the enemy camp, you know. I just did some reconnaissance, you know. I brought back a bag of bugs. And then, you know, Anakin's got no problem, you know, with his Jedi survival training. Uh, apparently, Obi-Wan does. And he says that, he, you know, he's found a way through the uh, the shield that, uh, you know, that there's this, you know, secret entrance. Obi-Wan and Anakin decide to go through the sewer in the city, having to swim through... Uh, fetid water. Eventually they make it to this shield generator guarded by B-1 battle droids. Can we pause now, here for a second? Yeah, because um, uh, Obi-Wan says, what an incredible smell you've discovered, which is exactly what Han Solo tells Leia uh, when they're in the trash compactor. Yeah, so this this season has a lot of very obvious Star Wars quotes in it, and the previous seasons had Star Wars quotes as well, but this one is really leaning into that i feel there's there's a lot more in these five episodes than we had gotten in the previous arc um but there's also i just want to point out one little plot plot point here anakin claims that he brought those bugs back from the enemy camp when he was doing reconnaissance Mm -hmm. that means that he had to drag them underwater through the sewer before he ate them oh gross (laughs) because i have to dive underwater to get there Maybe there's a uh, maybe he created like some sort of force bubble. To I choose to believe that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's so, keep going. <laughs> okay, so they're at the um, they're at the uh, ge- uh, the shield generator, and they're kind of like they're poking you know they're poking their heads out through a manhole. And uh, you know Anakin wants to attack, but uh, Obi Wan's like, "You don't need to do it." And Anakin's like, "Oh, you're no fun." And he takes up. Obi-Wan takes out a bunch of like little balls, puts them down, and uses the force to spread them out around all the droids. And then they explode, and the shields go down. Um, real quick before we move on, this, mm-hmm. there, there was another Star Wars quote here where Obi-Wan tells Anakin there are alternatives to fighting, which is something Obi-Wan says to Han Solo when they're on the Death Star. When they're getting pulled in to the Death Star, mm-hmm. Han Solo's going to fight, and Obi-Wan says there's alternatives to fighting. And so they hide in the, hide in the smuggling compartments. Right. So another quote. So then the uh, the shield goes down and the the clones attack. So on uh, Kashyyyk, uh, 
Tarov and his kid uh, Jacoba discover a huge camouflage droid tank. Smash cutting from scene to scene of the droid armies overrunning their different planets. Montage number two. Yeah. So, Dooku, Dooku and Grievous are dueling. Dooku is critiquing uh, Grievous's style. Dooku is easily defending himself. Grievous is improving, and Dooku uses the Force to stop the fight. Dooku tells Grievous that he needs to be more ruthless and make the Jedi fear him to win, because if he's not uh, completely there, you know, scaring them, he's, you know, he's going to lose. Darth Sidious shows up on a hologram to get a report from Grievous about the Outer Rim offenses. And then Sidious asks Grievous if he's ready for his special mission. Since we've already seen it, we know what that special uh, mission is. But also this this training, this sort of training fight between Dooku and Grievous is referred to in Episode 3 when Obi-Wan and Grievous face off. Grievous says, um, Count Dooku has trained me in your Jedi arts. Mm-hmm. And this is the only scene that we ever get of that happening. Uh, back to Anakin and Obi-Wan. They're, they're packing up and they get a message from Palpatine and Windu. Palpatine tells them that their intelligence networks indicate that Grievous is on the planet Nelvan. That's N-E-L-V-A-A-N, which is an anagram for Nelvana. It's a lazy anagram for Nelvana. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Windu is less than certain, but Grievous needs to be stopped. Which I find this whole thing kind of funny that like he's just kind of like a he's he you know he seems like a kind of an incompetent old man yet somehow he's got like you know intelligence that um, the Jedi don't and the Jedi are just like oh all right um, just goes to show how either like fooled yeah um, fooled they are or just uh, how far they've kind of fallen from grace so they uh they, so they got down to the uh, the surface of uh, Nelvon to uh investigate some strange geothermal readings. Uh, the planet is in the middle of uh, what seems to be an ice age, and as they investigate, Obi-Wan and Anakin feel a disturbance in the force. A huge beast breaks through the trees and attacks. Anakin attacks back, cutting off its tail, and then kills the beast, even though Anakin... Oh, sorry. And he kills the beast, even though Obi-Wan tries to tell him not to. But it was kind of a... It was kind of a little late. You know, it was like in the heat of the moment. You know, of course he's going to kill it. And all of a sudden, they're surrounded by natives who are upset that the beast is dead. So then, okay, next, chapter 23. So back on Coruscant, uh, Yoda is meditating when uh, the city comes under attack from the droid forces. Now, this is a cool scene where it's just all of a sudden he's, you know, he's meditating, and he's just like, oh. And then he just, like, opens the, you know, blinds, and all of a sudden there's just droids everywhere. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty cool. It's a gorgeous, no. it's a gorgeous shot, but it really reveals, like, how worthless their powers are sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't sense this happening <laughs> yeah the, the force is really there just it's, it's more of a plot device than anything else so like uh, so landing ships are there to deliver droids to the city and there's just thousands of ships and troops more and more enemy ships come out of hyperspace master tin and master window get into their jedi starfighters and go meet the growing army um now i want to say this is really cool that um you know windu has a uh like he's got a he's got a purple Jedi starfighter and a purple astromech droid, but what I really loved is when they fly into space. It looks like they're flying into just like oh, there's just a bunch of debris around the planet. But as it gets closer, it's just it, it looks like thousands of ships, you know, engaged in a massive battle. Yeah, I really love the animation about how you could see it's two D it's two D animation, but 
but the way that the ships are positioned as they're flying into space, you get a real sense of depth of field. And if you look at all of the ships, like all of the capital ships, it looks like there's like gnats flying around them, like just this, yeah. like cloud of dots, nondescript dots that are just like chasing each other. It's really well done. All right, so back on um, Nelvon, Anakin and Obi-Wan are writing banthas to the village with the natives. When they arrive, they realize that all the people in the village are only women and children. Um, now, it should be said that these um, that these uh, aliens, these uh, Nelvanians, look exactly like the Navi from Avatar. Just 10 years earlier. Yeah, just 10 years earlier. I don't know. So they go to see a village elder... Uh, a woman is upset because uh, Anakin killed the beast that one of the boys was supposed to kill as a test. Obi-Wan can understand the native tongue and tells Qui-Gon that all the men in the village are missing. And the elder tells Anakin he must journey into the fire because they um, he was saying somebody with a ghost hand, ghost hand, and then uh, and I, I find this particularly amusing. And then um, Obi-Wan grabs Anakin's. Um, right hand, which is the the robot hand um, arm, and he's like ghost hand, ghost hand, and Anakin's like, Master, what are you doing? He's, or not, Master? He's like, What are you doing? He's like, No, it's what you were doing. Yeah. It was, so he, it's a funny scene. Yeah, he he pretty much just volunteers, Anakin. Voluntold, you're doing yeah. this. So then um, they switch back to Coruscant, and the battle is definitely going poorly. Uh, Padme's apartment is damaged, and she's evacuated. Well, 3PO complains, as usual. Window is shooting down tri-fighters in the city when he's overwhelmed and shot down. Now, he ends up taking control of a droid fighter and then steers it like he's riding a, in, like, in a rodeo. You know, and then he's uh, flying around cutting up droids with a lightsaber while using um, the, I guess the wires inside of the droid as a... As a um, shoot, what do, you, what do you call those? Like a yoke? Things a yoke of a horse, yeah. Um, so, so or like a bridle or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just want to stop here for a second because when I was watching it right before we started recording, um, I was not doing anything else except watching the show, which I've had a really hard time getting done in the last couple of days. And Windu falls for a pretty long time on Coruscant when he gets knocked out of his fighter and he sort mm-hmm. of closes his eyes and is concentrating hard and then he finds his target and then grabs this droid in the movie episode three he dies by being thrown out of a window and falls, mm-hmm. falls to his death on coruscant and i always hated the theory that he didn't die so everyone's like you don't see the death on screen he's not dead after watching this i'm pretty convinced he might not he might not have died in that fall yeah uh, I, I read or saw somewhere that like he just told george uh, lucas that he just didn't want to die like a sucker and he kind of died like a sucker yeah i mean but 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 we have to I'm t- I'm saying like in in the context of them filming, Windu falling like this might be foreshadowing, mm-hmm. because they would have already filmed it at this point, so they know how Windu dies, and they give a scene where Windu is falling on Coruscant in the cartoon leading up to the movie. Yeah, I think this is foreshadowing. But he lives. He has to live because he is in the movie, but he survives right. that fall, and so it depends on how much weight you want to give to the foreshadowing, I guess. Yeah, I could uh, I could s- see him showing up. But only like briefly, he has to like die, you know, at the hands of like Vader or eaten, something. Eaten yeah. by a shark. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Skateboarding accident, you know, ends up uh, breaking his neck. So Master Tin is leading a squad of uh, Arca 
um, 170s into orbit to engage the enemy, but there's just too many ships. Uh, Tin boards a Jedi cruiser with the clones telling that the ship is lost. So Tin leads the clones on a spacewalk to capture a droid ship. Now, I have to say his like Jedi armor, like his mask, is really cool. Badass. I love that yeah. costume. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, like is for um he's wearing like what what just looks like clone armor except for like the the Jedi robes very similar to what Obi Wan was wearing when he fought Dirge, except he's got a helmet that is um is designed for his like his horns so his horns can stick out, but it's just got like this it's, it's it reminds me a little bit of Dirge where it's yeah. just got a very you know like um it's almost Mandalorian yeah like, yeah you're right it's it is almost Mandalorian. So uh, they do a they you know so they do a spacewalk to uh, to capture the other vessel, you know. And so they're fight you know, you know they're pretty much you know like fighting on the hull. Sorry, on the hull. You know they eventually get in and battle the battle droids and the surface cannons are disabled while Tin and some of the troops can take control of the ship and uh, turn it on the separatist forces. And then back again on Elvon, uh, the Elder is giving Obi Wan and Anakin a lesson in their mythology and a quest for Anakin. They're all sitting around the fire, and at one point they refer to the one called Ghost Hand, like I said before. And then I guess we'll leave it to you. The summary at this point, they're jumping back and forth between Coruscant and Novon very rapidly, so so that's why we keep switching back and forth. But back on Coruscant, um, Yoda is showing up to the battle, and he's facing down a huge army of battle droids. Um, he lifts about a dozen, in, he lifts several dozen in the air, and they into the path of several approaching. High fighters or tri fighters, and they're destroyed. I love this scene. Um, then he uses the force to push a tank back onto a ship that was deploying these tanks, and then he causes two ships to crash into each other. He's doing a lot of sort of star killer level force manipulation where he's changing the trajectory of ships in in space. Oh yeah, definitely. I I, I was thinking that when he was you know like the the uh, the 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 landing craft that he was just shoving them. I love uh, yeah. um, so then Yoda is told that Sector 4 is in trouble. Yoda jumps on his kaibuck and rides to help. So then cut back to Nelvan. We're still at the sort of fire so- ceremony with the old man. And he puts some bruised leech crawlers on Anakin's bare chest. And they give him a bunch of tribal tattoos. Anakin's still being told this parable and instructions on how to face the spirit of the planet, the mother of the planet, and to heal her. As Anakin prepares to leave, Obi-Wan tells him that Yoda saw this, and even though he has been thoroughly tested in the war, he has not had to face himself. And he tells him that this will be his last trial, where he has to face the reality of his soul, the same way that Luke does in Dagobah and Rey does in the cave. And then Anakin says, he won't fail, Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan tells Anakin he cannot fail himself. Mm-hmm. That's the test. Um, back on Coruscant, Sector 4 is being overrun by super battle droids. This is a very intense and stressful fight. Um, there's a point where one of the clones pulls out like a pistol and starts shooting the droids in the head as they sort of crest this ridge. The clones are falling back when Yoda shows up and tells them to stand their ground, and he starts destroying the droids. Um, around the same time, Windu shows up on his little... It's like a surfboard almost, but... Like a droid fighter that he's riding. I think it's supposed to be like a little vulture droid. And he crashes the droid fighter into the group of uh, attacking droids. And then he teams up with Yoda. And then they sort of use the force together to push the army back. And draw their lightsabers and just start cutting through the crowd. 
Um, we cut the Palpatine's office, and he's calmly having tea. I, one thing I have to say about um, this is that it's very like superhero esque, where like nobody cares about the collateral damage. This, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the Jedi are causing massive collateral damage, to, like all sorts of building, you know, buildings everywhere. Yoda deflects and, a missile and it hits a building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's very like you know you don't have to uh, deal with the um, the consequences of their actions, or like the you know the poor the poor um, not the poor people but just the, the poor is in like oh poor them, you know you know people who live in the city are you know getting their homes destroyed. I mean that does come back that does come back in the Canon Clone Wars when the Martez sisters say that the Jedi killed their parents and then basically gave them a payout. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like it's it's crazy how how much collateral damage is being caused and no no shit's given. But I guess war is hell. Yeah. Um, so we're back in Palpatine's office and he's having tea, um, shock tea, uh, Roran, Korob, and Falm. Um, Madama Mudama, Fala Mudama show up. They're three Jedi, show up to evacuate the Chancellor with some clone troopers. Now, so we talked about um, Volvif Moon Mon last week, and he was a internet product of the internet voting. Um, this Ithorian Jedi and this um, big furry Jedi, Fala Mudaman, um, they're products of the internet. Uh, they're the other two Jedi that were picked by the poll. Cool. Um, so Ro- Roran is the Ithorian, and Fowl is the um, he's a Tals. Tals, yeah. T a l s t a t a l z. What what you know? Um, you saw one in the um, the original Cantina. Yep. You know, big you know furry thing like four eyes has a proboscis. Yep, and then you find, and then you see them in the canon Clone Wars on Pantora. Yeah, they're the native species of Pan, uh, the Moon of Pantora. So they they show up. These Jedi show up with uh, some clone troopers, and they ask Palpatine to come with them. But Palpatine is hesitant to go, saying that he's safe in his office and the battle is far off. All of a sudden, you hear some footsteps outside, and then General Grievous breaks through the window. Um, chapter twenty-four. Grievous is broken through the window, and Palpatine starts scolding him. Grievous tries to grab him, meaning Palpatine. But Shakti uses the force to pull Palpatine back to her, and then they retreat. The clone troopers and the Republic Guard are ordered to stop Grievous, and so they engage him, but they're quickly slaughtered. The Jedi sort of run to the other end of the hallway and wait for an elevator. I love this scene, because the Ithorian's like smashing the button, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're just sitting there waiting. And then Grievous enters the hallway to sort of chase them. And they're trying to use the force to stop him, but Grievous, once again, is just way too fast. He's out running and anticipating their movements. And they board the elevator. As they board the elevator, the Ithorian Jedi uses his voice to sort of create a shockwave in the hallway, and it caves in, burying Grievous and buying them enough time. We've never seen an Ithorian do this before, but I love this effect. Yeah, yeah, me too. Claims that they have four throats. Yeah. Um, so they're in the elevator going down. It's sort of like a glass elevator, sort of like on the outside of like a Las Vegas hotel. And then you look out the window and you see Grievous running down the building beside them. It's a pretty funny effect. Mm-hmm. And then a clone trooper pulls out a rocket launcher while they're standing in a tiny glass elevator. And he shoots through the glass um, <laughs> at Grievous 
detonating a missile, and then they get to the bottom, and Grievous is just there waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an insane thing to do. Um, you you wouldn't even fire a gun in such a enclosed space, let alone a rocket through a plate plate glass window um, in a room the size of a fucking phone booth. Yeah, like when you um, everybody's dead in that elevator. If you're wondering, you know, in the in the uh, in the uh, U.S. Army, when you go through basic training, they teach you how to use. Uh, a few more advanced um, weapons other than just uh, the rifle. And one of them, at least when I went through, was a thing called an AT-4, which is an anti-tank weapon. It's like a one-shot um, rocket um, launcher. It's just a big, looks like a big PVC, green PVC tube. And I've seen one, I've seen one fired. It's fucking rad, uh, seeing what it can do. Like, one of the first things they train you, like, before you shoot it, you got to, like, ask, is the back blast area clear? Because this thing is a rocket, it doesn't just shoot out; it shoots backwards too. That there's something there, you know. There's somewhere the, the blast is vented. The, vented, yeah. And so you like it's like you're sitting right behind it that would just tear somebody to shreds. Yeah, and he does it in uh, an elevator. <laughs> yeah, it's like when like people like in I, I can't stand movies now like where they're shooting uh, like in like tight spats and like without any ear protection. And yeah. then they can just hear hear just fine afterwards. Yeah, it's it's rough. It, I mean, it's a huge suspension of disbelief that, that, that anyone would do this, but uh, it's a cartoon. So I think we've covered it. We'll we both object to the use of the rocket launcher in the in the elevator. It's funny. Uh, so now that they're on the ground with with Grievous, the Ithorian Jedi Roran um, uses his voice again to attack, pushing back an entire army and tearing up the ground. Uh, the Jedi flee and try to call for support, but they're being jammed. Grievous has these guards, they're called um, Magna Guards, and they start to attack and kill some of the troopers. They have these energy staffs that uh, are resistant to lightsaber damage. Mm-hmm. Um, they show up in Canon Clone Wars a lot. So back on Nelvon, um, Anakin is on his journey across the countryside to a volcanic cave to meet the mother of the planet. Inside the cave, there are geysers. It's sort of like a hot springs, so it looks quite warm. Anakin finds these cave paintings um, of the native people and the banthas, um, and then all of a sudden he's surrounded by steam. He starts to have visions, and the cave paintings start moving around, seeing the story of the planet and how there is a darkness that keeps them at, that there's a darkness that they keep at bay. He watches the story of a warrior who fights this darkness and loses his arm. The arm is replaced by a piece of that darkness, and that makes the warrior powerful again. He uses that power to help protect those he loves, but the arm grows bigger the more he uses it. As he continues to use his power to protect everyone, his arm eventually destroys everything that he loves. And at the end of this vision, Anakin hears Padme yell his name. Hmm... Very apt. That, I mean, you know, this, that, this is his journey into the cave. Yeah, the, the, the arm is the dark side, right? He's just a little bit, just a little bit, and then it just takes control and then just destroys everything. I mean, the metaphor the metaphor is gorgeous, right? It's so perfectly executed and delivered here because Vader is more a machine than man, right? As he descends into the dark side... He becomes more of an automaton, 
more of a machine losing its humanity. It ties into the body horror themes of Star Wars, where you get mutilated, and that mutilation represents your loss of humanity, your loss of your loss of control. Um, the whole thing is perfect, in my opinion. It is yeah. probably my my one of my favorite, if not the favorite, journey into the cave for me. Yeah, in the original Force Awakens, in uh, like in certain, depending upon the uh, platform, the video game platform that you played it on, it was either part of the uh, the game itself or it was just a uh, downloadable content. But you, at a certain point, you know, Star Killer, you as Star Killer, like go to the Jedi Temple and um, you you face your tri- you know, you face your trials. And one of the trials is the the trial of self self and he ends up fighting you know a dark side version of himself well he doesn't know it but to the very end you know knocks the helmet off and sees you know it's very much like luke right seeing you know that he sees um you know he just sees himself as this dark warrior and he sees what he could become i've been thinking because like how it you know it kind of shows like it kind of like an image of kind of like vader you know, in this um, in this um, kind of vision that he has, that that he, I don't think he ever truly looks deep inside. No, I think we're going to talk about how he misses the message, or doesn't doesn't face the message here in a second, mm-hmm. especially in the next chapter. So Anakin wakes up for, from his vision to see a huge machine in this cave. It sort of looks like a big ball with like a bunch of bays. It's it's like this whole base is built in this whole mountain has been built into a base. Um, so we cut back to Coruscant. The uh, Magna Guards are chasing the Jedi. They're fighting them off still with Palpatine in tow. So the big towel um, Jedi is sort of carrying him like a baby. Um, they jump onto a civilian transport and fight the guards. Eventually Grievous crashes the ship and the Jedi continue to run. This whole section of the show is the Jedi running. Um, they don't have a, a good plan other than to get the Chancellor out of there. They end up going into a train station where they continue to fight with lightsabers. Shock T lures some of the guards onto the tracks. Eventually some of the guards are destroyed by the Jedi or pushed in front of trains. Um, I have to I lo- say, I really... Go ahead. Sorry, I say I love the sound in yeah. the scene. Yeah. The the sound of the, just the trains just going just zoom, zoom. There's there's a lot to love about this scene. Um, there's there's we're we're sort of skipping over some minor details, but there's some really subtle commenta- uh, comedy here, where they're jumping into the station, and um, the little turnstiles are asking them for fares. It says like two two Republic credits, please, and they just they're all just like jumping through the turnstiles and just keeps repeating two Republic credits, please, two Republic credits, please. It's pretty funny. Um, and then like this whole you end up in a train station, someone's going to hit by a train. Um, and then they keep getting chased. Palpatine is still isn't safe because Grievous is still attacking. They're, they're chased into sort of the, the place where the trains are kept. And Grievous tells the Jedi they're, they're about to die. And then Shakti wraps his, uses the horse to wrap his cape around a departing train car. And he is drug off into wherever. Shakti smashes a window and tells them to follow her. And they all jump through the window. Um, overall, a very satisfying train scene. It reminds me a lot of like the Matrix, the beginning of the Matrix, where they fight fight on the train tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so back on Nelvon, Anakin is climbing up the 
sort of cliff face to get into the facility inside the mountain. He makes his way in and sees a research facility and some techno-union scientists discussing a procedure. There's also a schematic of Grievous on the wall about his, like, cybernetic implants. Anakin finds a room full of Nelvon warriors that have been transformed into huge monsters. Anakin starts destroying the room, and the techno-union scientists release the specimens and the altered Nelvon warriors approach, while Anakin pleads with them to stop. Um, so they're clearly going to attack him, but he's begging them to stop. And chapter 25, the final chapter. On Coruscant, Mace, Windu, and Yoda continue to cut up battle droids. Uh, Yoda sends his kaibuck away, saying it is no longer safe for him. Um, Windu... Windu re- then he immediately goes and falls off a, a skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then he's, he's caught um, by some restaurant. And they have kaibuck kai barbecue the next day. Yeah. Um, so the, the fight is going on, and once again, this is just a really frantic um, Tartabowski fight. Windu reflects a laser back and destroys a, bun- destroys a bunch of droids. Um, Yoda and Windu realize the tactics make no sense because they're not actually trying to take anything. They're descending wave after wave. They're not gaining any ground. And they realize that this has been all a big distraction. They're not trying to capture the temple at all. They're there to kidnap Palpatine. Shock T and the other Jedi's have made it to a transport that takes Palpatine to a, a un, undisclosed location, secure bunker someplace, and Shock T volunteers to stay behind to slow down Grievous and his Magna Guards. Um, Palpatine thanks her for the sacrifice and says that her sacrifice will go down in the annals of the Jedi, um, which is something Dooku says in the previous movie. This is something, yeah, it's in the archives, but the way I was kind of listening to it is just like thinking of like he's just being snarky because like he doesn't give a shit right that like you know like the jedi aren't going to be you know jedi archives aren't going to matter for much longer <laughs> exactly so back on nelvon anakin continues to reason with the altered warriors he warns them that he doesn't want to fight but he will defend himself there is one other warrior where the transformation had just started to take place and he breaks out of his tank um, runs over and rips off this sort of there's like a bandolier belt that they're all wearing across their chest like a like an X yeah. and when the guy rips the belt off the mind control of the warrior stops and so now they realize that they if they remove the belts that the warriors will stop attacking and so Anakin starts cutting the belts off the lightsaber and the other warriors are ripping the belts off each other the warriors at this point reflect on what has happened to them they sort of have a brief conversation in their native tongue, and then they unite to destroy the station. Back to Coruscant, Palpatine is being transported transported via one of these bank tubes to the safe location while Shakti fights dozens of uh, Magna Guards. She is disarmed and then gets one of their staffs and starts using it to destroy the guards. This is a frantic fight, but she has the upper hand, I think. Um, cut back to Nelvon again. Sorry for all the cutting, but this is how it's written. <laughs> um, Anakin is approaching some sort of energy crystal, or sorry, some sort of energy source source with a crystal inside. The warriors are tearing the facility apart and smashing droids. Anakin jumps down into like this pit and he uses his robotic hand to stop his fall. And then he gets over to the energy source and he uses his robotic hand again to reach into the energy field to grab the crystal. This action is incredibly painful. But he uses the force to grab the crystal and then smashes it in his hand, in his robotic hand, and then his arm explodes. Um, this is pretty shocking. 
And I'd mm-hmm. I'd seen this recently, and I this this moment blew me away. Yeah, it's shocking because how can he feel pain in a robot arm? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You'd wire it right for sensation. Yeah. Um, so after this thing explodes, geysers just erupt out of the ground, and the snow starts to melt. A one-armed Anakin emerges from the sort of underground chamber and starts throwing the techno-union scientists around. He picks up one with the force and with his severed arm points at him and then his entire sort of like face mask slash breathing apparatus crushes around his neck and he dies. Yeah, I love this. I love this scene. This is another like him dipping a a toe into the dark side because he's just so angry for what they've done to these people. Yeah, and he's not heeding the warning from the cave, right? He is, mm-hmm. he is using his power. He's using his ghost hand, exactly, uh, and to save people. But but it wasn't nece- it wasn't necessary, right? He he goes too far. The warriors rip off their robotic arms when they see that the ghost hand doesn't have his arm anymore, and they have, they've all been each one of these. I didn't say this before, but each one of the warriors had one of their arms amputated and replaced with a gun. Um, some sort of cannon, and they rip all these all of, off of their arms, and then they start um, chanting "Ghost Hand" um, in their native language to Anakin. So Anakin returns to the village with all of these altered warriors. They're all wearing ponchos to conceal their severed arms. If you if you let something get to you in this this episode, this scene can be pretty hard because the women of the village. Um, don't really recognize these warriors as they come back, and they're very hesitant to welcome them back. But the children do. The children recognize their fathers. Yeah, I think they're horrified. Yeah. I mean, it's it's terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the children accept them. They're welcomed back into the village, and then everyone starts basically fabricating fabricating prosthetic arms for these people and it's mostly happy happily ever after yeah you know all i could think about was like because i had forgotten about this before you know before i had watched it um for the first time in a while was that like you know like a whole generation of men who are just turned into these you know horrid monsters they're they're going to slowly die off you know once the children you know hopefully there's enough children because I don't think any of the women are going to want to... I don't think they're physically compatible anymore with the women. I mean, it's it, just like, it gets really dark if you think too much about it, right? But hopefully they soldier on. Yeah. Just, just It's very just disturbing. You know, and then just, you know, like... It's kind of like, like when um, Jeff Goldblum turns into the fly. Yes. You know, and he's just like... You know, he just kind of realizes that his life's over. You know, like, you know, everything good he had is gone. A fly that dreamt he was a man, I think is how the the line goes. All right, so Obi-Wan asks Anakin about his vision in the cave, but Anakin does not describe it to him. Obi-Wan says that the Nelvon will heal if they can accept their new selves. It's a very optimistic ending. We cut back to Coruscant, and somehow Grievous was waiting for um, Palpatine in his safe house. I say somehow, but we all know why. Um, Grievous fights the Jedi and the Jedi are sort of holding him off but then they get in this position where they're locked up with the blades and then Grievous separates his arms, has four lightsabers 
and then Grievous cuts down our two internet-created Jedi. Um, the Ithorian and the Tal fall. Shakti senses this and runs down the tunnel using force speed. She arrives as Grievous is taking the Chancellor away. Grievous grabs her and chokes her, um, and then these wires grow out of Grievous, and he says that he has a special plan for her, and then he takes Palpatine. As Grievous is boarding the ship with Palpatine, Windu shows up. Grievous turns to fight Windu, and Windu, not caring anymore, um, uses the Force to crush the body armor around Grievous's chest. And Grievous falls to the ground, grabbing his chest and gasping for breath. They board the ship as Palpatine, with Palpatine as a hostage. Windu attempts to follow, but cannot. He, Windu then finds the Jedi dead and Shakti tied up with electrical cables. Shakti says she has failed. Yeah, I'm not sure the whole point of this. Yeah. Why didn't he just kill her? Yeah, I think it was because she's in episode three. Um, it's it's difficult. It's I I tried to think of a reason why he would leave her alive. Maybe he's like a witness to his terror because he knows that he needs him to fear him, but it doesn't make a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Um, so real quick, we're almost done. Anakin, we go back to Anakin, and he's sort of in the hangar with R2, and he's installing a new arm. Obi-Wan once again shows up to discuss his vision, and Anakin shows off his new arm. Obi-Wan wants to talk about the vision, but then Windu contacts them, saying they need to return to Coruscant. Palpatine has been captured. Yeah. Credits roll. And I wanted to, at the very, very end, read the opening crawl for Revenge of the Sith, if if I may. Okay. Um... So this is just the opening crawl that begins at the at the beginning of episode three. War. The Republic is crumbling under the attack by the ruthless Sith Lord, Count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. In a stunning move, the fiendish droid leader, General Grievous, has swept into the Republic capital and kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. As the Separatist droid army attempts to flee the besieged capital with their valuable hostage, two Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to rescue the captive Chancellor. And that's the crawl. And so obviously mm-hmm. this butts up right against that crawl. Um, I want to get right to it, though. Uh, did you like it? Oh, yeah. I, I loved it. I loved it, too. <laughs> the thing I remembered most about this, you know, in the, you know, like, I want to say 16 years since I had last seen it, um, was Mace Windu crushing uh, General Grievous's chest. And that's why he is coughing and has like a tissue or a handkerchief or something, you know, in um, in episode three. But just yeah, just the 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 you know Anakin's journey, like him not him not learning anything. You know, he's just in a very f- fragile state, and you know he gets just thrown right back into the mixer. First of all, I love that we see him become a knight because we this is really the first time we've seen a ceremony like that um, where they knight him. But his failure at his trial himself, um, it's not that he didn't he didn't do it. It's that he refuses to sort of confront what it means. And like this weird denial he lives in about what he's capable of and what it means, it, it just shows in a way that episode three never did. 
how he's on this trajectory to fail mm-hmm. and and what is feeding into that right it's the arrogance that he feels his invincibility it's it's the fact that that his mother died and he couldn't help her he thinks Padme's going to die and he can't help her but he himself is completely invulnerable but he ends up uh, like mutilated by the end of episode three it's just incredible yeah. like how how wrong he gets it yeah and the fact that you know that that nobody sees that he's being groomed yeah there's so many warning signs even peel says palpatine thinks anakin should be a knight right palpatine forces anakin into a, a leadership position um obi-wan says the sith's interest in you is disturbing when he goes off and fights Ventress. mm-hmm um, there's so many indicators to this. The 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 black mess on the wall when he's watching the cartoon of the the cartoon and the cartoon of the of the darkness taking over the guy. It looks like the helmet of Vader at one moment um, as it's like swirling around and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like every piece is there. You can see it all laying out in front of you. The Force is telling you that this destroys you. That this destroys, like, that cartoon avatar of Anakin kills his wife mm-hmm. in the little cartoon within the cartoon. And he still refuses to confront what that um, means. Because, because the cartoon didn't look like him. It looked like one of the the Nalvanians. But it's, it, it's a metaphor, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, maybe he just doesn't, you know, he's got some cognitive dissonance going, or cognitive dissonance going on it's just like and it's like oh that's bad like oh no wait it was, that guy was blue so <laughs> i'm not blue so i don't have anything to worry about yeah this is a terrible story i mean told for no particular reason i mean it's i like joking aside it is a beautiful telling of his story it is almost as good it's as good as the canon clone wars when they go to the place with the brother and the sister and the father and the brother shows on that he, that he becomes darth vader and destroys his his party to destroy an alderaan yeah the, uh, the mortis mortis I, yeah yeah I, I tried to find a quote from mortis but i couldn't so i just um i used the uh the uh, the knighting ceremony quote so i think overall my my impression of this is if this was the only clone wars we got i'm glad we got something else but if this was the only clone wars we got i think it really does a great job of stitching together attack of the clones and revenge of the sith and giving us this sort of what if scenario about how the clone wars might have happened Mm -hmm. yeah i'm yeah there's just so many just little things you can just the the clone you know the clone wars as we know it the canon clone wars could not have succeeded without this you know and they they took a lot of ideas from it. Absolutely. But um, all right, well, we've been doing this for us. Why don't we just get let's go into our ranking? So our our ranking is based upon uh, Star Wars characters. So a really great episode would be an original trilogy character like a Vader, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, and then a a, um, a lesser one would be oh, um, uh, let's see, who's somebody that's completely worthless. A uh, C-3PO without without gold armor, without gold plating. No, let's go with like a Kitster. <laughs> oh, Kitster, poor Kitster. <laughs> yeah, so you know it's definitely a sliding scale. 
Uh, so Matt, what do you give this episode? I was incredibly impressed with this episode, with this season three, and incredibly impressed overall, um, especially for where it started and where it ended, and what it achieved, and in the time frame it achieved it. All of that together, um, I love this. I think it's artistic and thoughtful and good Star Wars. I'm going to give it an Anakin. Wow, that is that is high praise. Yeah. Um, though technically he's from the, uh, so is this, is this prequels Anakin or Clone Wars Anakin or Clone Wars Anakin? I'm going to give him oh. the 70 sideburns, 70 sideburns, <laughs> um, making it, making a new arm out of pieces of his starfighter with R2D2, yeah. um, Clone Wars Anakin. Does he also smoke and make sexist comments to the uh, female Jedi? He's he's got he's got a problematic relationship with his secretary. Yeah, and he wear he wears like the the beetle boots. There and, you go. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. Okay. So my um, so I was thinking about it, and uh, I give this um, this one a uh, the a son, which is our the son uh, from the Mortis arc. Um, because you know there's just so much about like Anakin and dark side and him just not you know like n- you know not not heeding the warnings um and the sun is you know the the embodiment of the dark side so that's what i chose i really like that pick um and i can't wait to watch that episode for our podcast with you i think that one we're going to have a lot to talk about that whole arc mhm I love those. Oh, yeah. I love those force religion arcs, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Where they just really kind of go, where they kind of go off the rails, you know, like in a way that they can't in the um, in the movies. Exactly. But, um, yeah. Um, so, so that was our quick and dirty review of Clone Wars 2003 from Tartabosky. Like I said, we both love this, and we'll probably revisit it in the future to do sort of um, more analysis and just remind ourselves why we love it. Um, but next week, uh, so today is Friday, September 18th, and next week, Visions comes out, um, which is the sort of anthology series um, where they're going to make anime cartoons. I think there's going to be nine of them. Um, so we're going to go back to a real-time review of those. They come out on Wednesday. We'll, re- we'll record sort of late in the week and get it posted before the next one comes up. We're going to be shooting for sort of a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday posting of those. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted and watch our feed for those coming out in a couple weeks. Um, so other than that, I think we're pretty much done today. Um, thanks for listening and downloading. We appreciate it. We don't promote the podcast at all, so word of mouth is the only way it spreads. So if you enjoyed the show, um, tell a friend that you know a couple of guys that like to watch cartoons about Star Wars online and uh, post reviews on a podcast. And if you hate the show, um, well, tell someone that you hate that there's a cool show they should check out because might as well waste their time too. And a download to us is a download to us. Um, Thanks for being with us. And we will be back next week with more episode reviews of Star Wars cartoons and a lot more Star Wars to talk about. Um, Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. 
Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Oh, 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 o